Good morning, church. The Bible reading today is taken from Ephesians 5, 6 to 21. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Good morning. Great to see you uh, this morning. Uh, Let me pray for us as we uh, get into the scriptures together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the way that you speak through your word. We thank you for the great way that we've been able to hear from this great book of Ephesians over the last uh, couple of months. We pray that you'll continue to teach us through your word uh, to live a life uh, that is consistent Uh, of the calling in which you've called us to live, that we would walk as children of light. Help us do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me ask, what was the last assessment uh, you faced? Maybe it was back at school, maybe at TAFE or university. Maybe you had an assessment at work, a performance review. We hear about reviews or read about them all the time, don't we? A coach's assessment of their player's performance. A government or the Royal Commission's assessment of a situation that they've looked into. We're assessed on our income and pay taxes accordingly. And more personally, a little bit closer to home, we're assessed on our driving ability, don't we? In a driving test. We face a fitness test at the gym or get a general checkup. Uh, at the GP, and then there's the eye test. There's a bunch of assessments that take place in life, isn't there? But I wonder, have you ever taken the time out to assess yourself, to see how you're going? Maybe you like to set goals, uh, write some lists of things that you would like to achieve uh, so that you're able to assess how you're going in these particular goals and and things you, you seek to achieve in life. But what about your walk with the Lord? Do you ever take stock? Do you ever take a step back and assess how you're going as a Christian? Do you make time in your busy schedule? Do you make the time in your diary to assess how it is you're going, walking with the Lord? We might assess every other aspect of our life, but not our Christian life. Why is that? And maybe we think the church, this is the place that we can stop and assess how we're going. But do we actually assess actively? Do we actively stop and assess after we meet together and reflect on how we're actually going? How do you think you're going as a Christian? How do you think you're going walking uh, with the Lord? 
Well, our passage this morning looks at these things, looking at our walk with the Lord and assessing how we're going. Well, over the last eight weeks, we've been looking at this uh, book of Ephesians. We're basically starting chapter one. We're now up to chapter uh, chapter five. We've got a couple more weeks left uh, in the book. And we've seen in this, this great book, it's a book of two halves. In the first half, we've seen all that Christ has done for us who believe in him. That is, he has rescued us. He has saved us, not because of any fancy footwork, not because of the people we know or the, the family connections we have. No, no, no. He saved us through faith because we've come to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus. He saves us and this is a free gift to us. And also in this first half we've seen that because we've put our faith in him, well, he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every single blessing. Uh, we are forgiven, adopted, part of his family and we have a sure hope. We know we're going to heaven regardless of what we, we see around us, regardless of the uncertainties in life. We are comforted to know that we have a hope in heaven that cannot be taken away from us. Well, that is the, the first half of Ephesians, who we have become in faith by trusting in the Lord Jesus. In the second half of the book, we see how it is that we live, how it is that we live in light of what Christ has done for us in that first half. We have been saved. We do have new identities. And so how are we going to walk? How will we walk as believers? And that is the second half of this book. We saw at the very start of the, first, at the second half in Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, uh, it says this. Have a look on the, on the screen there. It says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Uh, we've received so much as we have trusted in Christ. And so we are to walk in a way, we're to walk in a manner that matches our new life in Jesus. Uh, in our passage uh, this morning, we, we see these, these two things. Uh, first, verse 8, we are to live or walk, as, uh, depending on your translation, uh, we're to walk as children of light. And in verse 15, we're to be careful then how we live, how we walk. Well, there are two points this morning. Uh, first, uh, verse 8, walk as children of light. We saw in chapter, chapter 1, uh, a couple of months ago now, that we have been adopted into God's family. And so because we are part of this family, we're to walk like we belong to this family. We are to live con- consistently with who we are. As children of light, will we walk as children of light. And we do this, verse 6, have a look there, by let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. I wonder if you can remember a time when someone has made a promise to you or said something a bit over the top and you've thought, hmm, well, they're just empty words, aren't they? They're devoid of truth. They're hollow arguments. You see, we are warned here uh, not to be deceived by empty words. We see this on uh, social media quite regularly, don't we? There, there are heaps of false things that are posted online. Uh, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago the NBA basketballer Kyrie Irving who acknowledged that he had been deceived in thinking that the world was flat. Now we might think that's pretty funny and, and laugh at that, but there are many things in our news feed which, which might be there to deceive us that our image 
fitness, popularity, the sex, all these things, are these are the most important things to us in life? Is that right? But I wonder if it's more to do with what people might say to us, that it actually doesn't matter how we live. It really doesn't matter. You know, you can do whatever you want, always lead to God. God will save everyone in the end. And while these might sound good, while these might sound like plausible arguments, they are empty words, hollow arguments. You see, we need to be careful that we're not deceived. Because verse 6, have a look there again. Because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. You see, God's wrath, that is his righteous, measured anger, awaits the disobedience. Disobedient. Let me ask, how do you feel when you flick on the news or scroll through the news and you see that a guilty person has got away with something because of a technicality? You know, like the the billionaire who pays no tax or that famous person who's just come into the country and doesn't need to quarantine or the international energy companies who are given government concessions while depleting our national resources, making billions of dollars. How do you feel? We can rightly feel outraged by this. How can people get away with this? And we can wonder, where's the justice in the world? We well, see, God has set a day when he will right all wrongs, when justice will finally be served, when all the guilty, evil, wicked things we see around us, well, they will be punished once and for all. And you see, that is the day of wrath that we see here in this verse. It is a day of justice. But do notice there from verse 6 that God's wrath comes on all who are disobedient. Not just the injustices we see on the news, but all injustices. And that includes the things that I have done. But that also includes the things that you have done. You see, we reject God and his rightful place in our lives. You see, he is our maker and our sustainer. Without him, we are nothing. And yet we can actively reject him by denying his existence. Or we may passively reject him by not paying him the honour that he deserves. You see, we are all guilty and will face his wrath. And so maybe this is another area in which we may be deceived. You might have heard people say, God won't judge people. Isn't he meant to be that loving God? As if he'd do that. Or others might say, you know, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was around. He's not coming back. Don't worry about that. But don't be deceived. God's wrath comes on all who are disobedient. Let this be a warning. Don't ignore the warning like some might have ignored the the seriousness of COVID-19. God's wrath is coming. We need to be prepared. You see, here lies the beauty of what we've seen in this book of Ephesians. We saw in that first half that, yes, we were rebels. We did rebel against God and do deserve wrath and and, uh, we do deserve his wrath. But you see, Jesus, he took our place. In love, Jesus dies our death in our place, takes God's wrath on himself so that we can be saved. 
so that we can be rescued, so that we don't have to face God's judgment. All we do is come to him in faith. You see, we deserve his wrath, but in his kindness, in his mercy, he saves us. But that doesn't mean that if we we slip up, we're goners. No, no, no. We will continue to struggle to do the wrong thing. We will sin. But you see, the disobedient here from verse 6, these are the ones who are characterized by disobedience, who reject God wholeheartedly. We'll rule our own lives, thank you very much. And yet God's wrath awaits. But see, for those of us who trust Jesus, we're different. We have been changed. Look there from verse 7. Therefore, do not be partners with them. That is, don't partner with them in their sinful uh, practices. Don't get involved and partake in the things you used to do before you trusted in Jesus. You see, the way we, we used to live, it's still a danger to us today. We can be pulled back to our former way of life. It's a bit like a Gandalf. You know, in the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, the, the first one, The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, you know the movie where, where Gandalf, he's standing on that, br- that narrow bridge uh, facing uh, Balrog, uh, that fiery monster dude with that cool whip thing. Anyway, he's standing on that thing and he's got his staff and he slams his staff down, Psh, you shall not pass. And then the bridge kind of falls down and Balrog uh, goes falling down into this great abyss. And then Gandalf's still there looking pretty cool, like, yeah. But then Burrog's fiery, grabs him by the ankle, and Gandalf is dragged down into the abyss. You see, there are dangers for us, and so we need to be careful that we too aren't dragged back, that we are drawn back to our former way of life. We need to keep away from the edge and not even stare down that road. Because you see, we're now light, no longer darkness. Have a look there from verse uh, 8 up on the screen. For you were once darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. For those who have put their uh, trust in Jesus, uh, he has radically changed us. No longer are we in the dark. We once were darkness, but now we are in uh, the light in the light of the Lord. You see, it is Jesus who changes us. But would you say that the world's a a dark place? Well, no. Normally it would be a nice, warm, sunny day in December. Uh, Our days are, are long. It does not seem dark. And yet, in the middle of a heat wave, when the air conditions are all pumping full ball, we face blackouts, don't we? And we can feel we're in the dark. And while they give me physical darkness, it doesn't take much scratching below the surface to see there's moral darkness too. Corruption, scandals, scams, evil, disobedience, murder. People are constantly, regularly breaking the law. It doesn't take much to see that the world's morally in the dark. And as we look at the world around us, we might think the world's getting worse. But you see, the world is the same. Uh, The world is the same. It's just that the more time we spend in the light, the more we can see the darkness more clearly. Because we are now light. 
And so our behaviour, it is to conform to our new identity. Have a look there from verse 8. Live or walk as children of light. This is a command, an imperative. Walk, live as a child of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. And so how does one walk? How does one live as a child of, of light? Well, one bears fruit. They yield behavior that's consistent uh, with the light in goodness, righteousness, and truth. We, we've seen it in Ephesians already in the, in the previous chapters that, that we've been created for the purpose of good works. We're to display the ethical qualities of God in righteousness and holiness. And we are to speak the truth in love because we've found the truth in Jesus. We're to bear fruit consistent with being light. But it's contrasted here with verse 11. Have a look there. Uh, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. To walk as a child of the light not only means to uh, produce fruit that is of the light, but it is also to not participate in the unfruitful deeds, the unfruitful works of darkness. Because light and dark are polar opposites. They're completely incompatible. You can't have both at the same time. One can't live in the light while adopting a lifestyle that is in the dark. You see, it does not work. You see, it's shameful even to mention what's done in the dark in secret. And so we're to avoid thinking, pondering, talking about these things. You see, we don't want to promote or encourage or even seem to tolerate these things. And so when someone shares with you their extramarital affair they're in or the tax evasion they they, they partake in, don't ask for all the gory details. Instead, expose it for what it is. But how do we expose the darkness? Well, we are to shine a light onto it. I wonder if you played uh, as a child or maybe even now as an adult, uh, played many torch games. You know where you're kind of hiding somewhere in the dark uh, and the person who was it, they'd be trying to find people with their torch trying to shine it on, on you? And the light, well, that would expose who was there, where people were hiding in the dark. And you didn't, and if you're kind of hiding, you didn't want the, the light to shine on you and be exposed by the light. You'd be out. And so how, does, how do we expose the darkness? Well, we point people to Jesus. We talk about Jesus because he is the great light. Have a look what he says about himself in John chapter 8. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, Jesus, he is the great light. He's the one who shines into the darkness and transforms a person from being darkness into light. So have a look here from verse uh, 13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it says, 
Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We get a picture here of what happens when someone comes to faith. Uh, The light of Christ shines into someone's life, and it actually does two things here. First, it makes things visible. You see, the sin, the evil, the deeds of darkness, they are exposed and seen for what they truly are. That is the first thing the light of Christ does. The second is uh, it transforms someone into the light, where someone is transformed, transferred from darkness into light. And verse 14 really brings these things together. Have a look there from 14, which is it's a combination of some passages from the Old Testament, from, from, the, uh, from the prophet of Isaiah. And, and the combination of these things shows the image of someone sleeping, and that sleeping is, uh, is the image of someone being dead. And as the light of Christ shines on us, we are brought to life. That is our conversion, where we were awoken out of sleep, rising from the dead and brought out of darkness into the light of Christ. You see, this is what happens when we put our faith and trust and believe in Jesus. And Jesus is continuing today to shine his light on people. He is continuing to save people today. And so how do we expose the deeds of darkness? Well, we certainly don't show the people the good things that we may do. We don't point people to ourselves. We point people to Jesus and the great and wonderful things in which he has done. Because he is the light that shines into the darkness rescuing, saving people to himself. You see, we're not about preaching morals. We're not about preaching Jesus because he's the great light who draws people out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, for us, with faith in the Lord Jesus, we've been called out of darkness into the light of Christ. We are light. And because we are light... We are to walk as children of light. You see, we've seen that there is a distinction that's been made here, haven't we? There is light and there is dark. There is no grey in between. There is light and dark. And we are urged as children of the light to live, to walk in a manner that is consistent with being children of light. That's the first point. We are to walk as children of light. And the second point uh, is to be careful Uh, how we walk. And the second point is a a lot shorter. Uh, Verse 15, be very careful then how you live. That is, be careful how you walk. Uh, He's concerned with the way we walk. We're to pay careful, close attention to the manner in which we live. Do you pay attention to the way that you live? Do you pay close attention to the manner in which you walk as a believer, assessing how you're going. Because that is what we're being urged to do here, pay careful, close attention to the way we walk. And we're given a few ways that we can do that. Have a look there from verse uh, 15. Uh, Is the PowerPoint working or no? Uh, Oh, excellent, 15. Uh, Verse 15, Sam. Uh, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, uh, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, 
but understand what the Lord's will is. You see, we see a couple of parallel ideas here. Uh, not to be wise, not to be unwise and foolish, but instead to be wise in understanding what the Lord's will is. And we do it because the time is short. We don't know when Jesus will call us home. We are unaware of how many days, weeks, years we have left to roam this planet. And so with the time being short, we must make the most of it being really careful and thoughtful in the way that we live, that we will walk in a manner that is consistent with being a child of light. And when to remember verse 6, remember verse 6, that the day of wrath comes. It is certain and true God will come to judge. And so we need to be mindful how we live. We're to be wise We are to know the Lord's will. But how do we do that? Well, his will, his desires, what pleases the Lord, verse 10, uh, we know these things through his word, uh, uh, through his speech, the Bible. That's why we work through books of the Bible like we do as a church because the Bible teaches us God's wisdom. And as we read and understand and learn what the Scriptures teach us, then we will know what the Lord's will, what his desires are and what pleases him. And so let me ask you, how are you going reading uh, the Bible and understanding it for yourself? But it's more than just reading it, isn't it? It's, it's applying it. Not just reading it for the sake of reading it like we might a novel, uh, but actually seeking to truly grasp it so that we can be careful in the way that we live it out. But we need to make the time to personally reflect on it, don't we? But in the busyness of life, look, it's December, so Christmas is is fast upon us. We're, We're busy. It can be really hard to make time to do this. And so maybe this is an area in which we need to make time to work on. Maybe we need to to pay careful attention to the way that we're walking in the Lord by understanding his will. Well, we also do it, verse 18, by, have a look there, Do not get drunk on wine, uh, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And this is a a practical command on not getting drunk. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Uh, Don't get drunk. uh, Because it leads to reckless living. You see, we lose our inhibitions and do the things we probably wouldn't normally do because we're drunk. And you see, that's the complete opposite of what we've been looking at, isn't it? Where we've been looking at being controlled and and measured and meaningful and purposeful in the way that we live. And while drunkenness can lead to a loss of control in our actions, it also leads us to losing control of our speech, which is the focus of the next uh, couple of verses. Uh, Being filled with the Spirit, verse 19. Uh, That is, uh, have a look there, uh, addressing one another in Psalms, uh, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You see, these are verbal things. Uh, we're to use our speech uh, with control in the way that we speak to one another and the way we speak to God so that we will know him better. But we're also to do it there, verse 20, have a look, giving thanks, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
where to give thanks for everything. You see, there are so many things in which we can give thanks for in life. There are the the material things, the clothes in our backs, the food in the fridges, the money in the bank. But then there are the spiritual things in which we can give thanks for too. The fact that God would save us despite our, our wretchedness. We are to give thanks for everything. That is, for the good things in life, but also for the difficult and challenging things in life. We are to give thanks to every, for everything. Maybe this is an area of, of our life that we need to assess how we're walking. Are we becoming a, a grumpy bum rather than giving thanks? Maybe we can work on giving thanks in the, in the coming weeks, coming days giving thanks to our family and and friends and neighbours, but ultimately thanking God, the one who gives life, who gives light, who has made us children of light. Which leads us to, to verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence, out of fear of Christ. You see, our submission to, to each other comes from our reverence of Christ. That is our fear, our respect of him. You see, we know exactly who we are in Christ. Thanks to him, we have been saved, redeemed, we have been forgiven. And see, because of that, we are able to submit to one another because we give thanks. We give thanks to everyone for for everything, which includes those who are in authority over us. We will submit to them because of what Christ has done for us. And so just like a soldier will submit to to his commanding officer, we will submit to those who are in authority over us. We've seen this morning that how we live uh, really matters. That is, as believers who have put our trust and faith in the Lord Jesus, we are to walk in a manner that pleases the Lord, to live a life that is consistent with being children of light. We are children of light, no longer in the darkness, and so we are to live We are to walk as children of light. And so what practical thing will you do this coming week to assess how you're going in your walk with the Lord? Will you make it a a regular weekly calendar item that pops up in your diary each week? Will you give the first 10 minutes for when you get home from church on Sunday to reflect? Or even the first thing when you wake up in the morning, What are you going to do to assess how you're going in in your walk with the Lord Jesus? Because whatever it is, that is what we're being urged to do this morning, to pay close and careful attention to our walk and as we walk as children of light. Well, let's pray, shall we, and ask God for his help in this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the way that you have saved us that you have snatched us out of the the day of your wrath, your righteous wrath, to to save and deliver us, to give us great hope uh, that we are your children. Thank you for calling us into the light. Father, we do pray that you would help us, that you would help us live as children of the light, that we would not be deceived by by the tricks of, of those around us, that we would not return to our former way of life, we would display the fruit of being our children of light. Help us walk the walk and talk the talk 
that our lives would be consistent uh, in, in being children of light. Help us in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.